We're continuing with the Megillah's uh, Rus, where the second Pasuk. I just wanted to add that there is a remarkable introduction by the Alchech HaKadosh on Megillah's Rus, where he discusses the, the, the main point and purpose of this Sefer, Megillah's Rus, and what it teaches us. And he says that when you look at the story, it's about a woman who came from a Moabite nation, intermarried with a Jew. And along the story, she ends up doing something which normally should have been shunned as something scandalous. She comes in the middle of the night and lays down next to Boyaz. Something that in a normal setting, if this were publicly known, if it would have been um, scandalized, it would have been um, decried and, and denounced as something inappropriate. But only Hashem knows that the, the deep inside the heart of, no, of uh, Ruth and Boyaz were only the purest thoughts. And what this teaches us is that the things that we see that sometimes appear as being negative and bad, but Hashem sees what goes on inside. And history unfolds based on how Hashem sees the true meaning that's behind the actions of people. And he says that we have to know that Rus comes from Moab, and Moab is a descendant of the oldest daughter of, of Lot. As we know, that the oldest daughter of Lot named her son Moyov after she committed incest with her father. And of course, this is the most uh, despicable act that one can possibly imagine. Nevertheless, Hashem blessed her that she will be the one to, uh, to, um, to produce an offspring like Ruth, which eventually will be the grandmother of Mashiach, David HaMelech, and then Mashiach. And he says that, yes, we can all um, condemn the actions of the daughters of Lot, but Hashem saw inside the heart of the daughter of Lot and saw that she, what she really cared about is not some desire for incest. She was motivated by a desire to populate the earth again. In her mind, as we know from Rashi, she thought that the world was completely destroyed after the destruction of Zdom. She didn't know there was there were other people around. So she felt she needed to save the world and populate the world. And that was the only motive that she had in this act. So although the act was wrong, but her motivation was very pure. And Hashem looks at the motivation and rewarded her awarded her for her kindness to try to populate the world. And because of that, Ruth came out of this with all the evil of Moyav that came out of her action. So the external act was definitely saturated with evil. And which is why Moab was produced, which was the epitome of the most decadent and immoral society at the time. But at the same time, there was a kernel of purity, a, a, a kernel of holiness in this act that she committed that where she wanted to do something right, even though the act uh, 
that she did in in the way she did it, in the way she tried to carry out her thoughts and her her vision was 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 enveloped in something very despicable and unclean. So yes, Moyav came out of it, but it was this kernel, this spark of of pureness that she had that allowed Ruth to emerge from that fog of uncleanliness and then allowed the rising of the star of David HaMelech and Mashiach. A remarkable idea. And he says that we learn from here that people should be less concerned what other people think of them. They should be more concerned of their inner feelings and motivations in how they connect with Hashem and how they relate to Hashem. And this is, he says, the main main point of the Sefer of Rus. So the same thing with, you know, the intermarriage. We look at the beginning of the story, there's an intermarriage. And we say, you know, from a woman who is not Jewish, she marries a Jew. But from, from Ruth's end, even though the act was wrong, but Ruth herself was driven only with the purest motives. She wasn't Jewish. She didn't know anything. She just wanted to connect with the Jewish people. And that spark in her had to come out by marrying a Jew and eventually connecting with Boaz and and um, giving birth to the grandfather of David Melech. Uh, let's move forward to the next Pasuk, V'shema Ish Elimelech. First, in the previous Pasuk, it says, V'yelech Ish Bebeis Lechem, Yehuda, Logre Bezdei Mayav. A man went, it doesn't say his name. In the second Pasuk, the Pasuk introduces his name, V'shema Ish Elimelech, V'shema Ish Tanomi, V'shema Ish Nevonov, Machlon V'chilion, and the names of his two sons were Machlon and Chilion. Ephrosim, they came from Ephros, which is in Beis Lechem, Mi Beis Lechem Yehuda. Some inter- Rashi says there's another interpretation. Ephrosim means they were important people. They were uh, respected. They were prominent members of the Jewish community in Eretz Yisrael. They were very wealthy people. According to the Medrash, the, the, the Elimelech was also from Great Yiches. He was he and Salmon, the father of Boyaz, and Ploini Almoni, who shows up later in the in the story. Uh, and the father of Nomi doesn't mention him by name. Um, they were all sons of Nachshim ben Aminodav. So they came from great Yiches, and it shows us that Hashem doesn't uh, favor anybody. Even with great Yiches, if you do the wrong thing, he deals you with the right punishment. Another thing it says, Ish, Ish is usually a tzaddik. For Ish Moshe, it means Elimelech was a great tzaddik himself. He made a mistake, but in, in generally he was a great man. And uh, his two sons, Afrasim, they were prominent people, maybe Slechem Yehuda, they came to Stemoyev and they were there. <clears throat> now, um, why doesn't it say the name of Elimelech right in the beginning? Velech Ish. So one interpretation is that when he left, he didn't really want people to know who he is. In other words, I'll tell this a story. They tell a story, the Kli Chemda, Reb Meir Don Plotsky. He was a great goan before World War II, in time World War, before World War I as well. He was the rov of a city, Dvar, in Poland. 
He was a Talmud, I believe, of the Avon Nezer. Great Goen Olam wrote a famous commentary on, on Chumash and also on Sefer HaMitzvahs. That uh, there was once a very important uh, a crisis in the community where there, there was an important uh, uh, cause to to raise funds for. And Rabmeir Don Plaske, the Rav himself, went from door to door to the rich man of the community to save, collect money and run, f- raise funds to support uh, a poor family that was in very, very dire need. One of the wealthy members, in fact, there was more. There was also a fire that burned down a number of houses in the community, and many of the people were left without any roof over their heads. So there was a need for money. And one of the very wealthy people in the town decided, listen, he's going to check out of town because he knew that the Rav is going to come to his house and started asking him for a lot of money. So many people were in need. He decided to leave with his family. He packed up his bags and left quietly the city and went to another city. And what he did is on his way out of town, um, when he was still close to the city of Devar, in the nearby shtetls where he passed by on his way out, he didn't tell people who he was because people may have heard about him because his reputation was, you know, reached uh, people uh, far and wide. So when he traveled through the little towns outside Devar, he he didn't tell anybody what his name was until he went far enough in Devar where he thought people wouldn't know who he is, and there he was able to identify himself, and he said, okay, I'm here for a while, you know, to look for some business. When the mayor Don Plotsky heard about this, he said, now he understands this Pasuk in Rus. First it says, Vayelech Ish, a man left Eretz Yisrael, right in the middle of the famine, he left Eretz Yisrael. As we know from Rashi, he left Eretz Yisrael because... He was afraid that all the poor people that were starving from the famine will come to him and ask him for bread, and he didn't want to be a burden. He didn't want to be burdened by the by the poverty of the people, so that's why he left. But first, it says Ve'elach Ish, a man went without identifying who he was, because the pasuk is telling us that the way he left, that the first on his way out, he didn't tell people who he was. He lived in Beis Lechem. People heard about him outside Beis Lechem, so on the way. While he traveled in Eretz Yisrael through the land, he came to other towns on his way out. People wanted to know who he is. He didn't say his name. It's Ish, a man, because he was afraid that people will say, ah, this is him, and they'll ask him for money. They ask him to, to, to give them some sustenance. But once he was outside Eretz Yisrael where nobody knew him, then it says, V'shem Ish Alimelech. He says, this Jew that left town and the way he left town, protecting himself from being harassed by the poor and the destitute, taught him pshat and these psukim. So that's one interpretation. Now the al Kodesh has a fascinating pshat. He says like this, he says that in essence we have to know that Vayelech Ish, oh, he says like this, Vayelech Ish, this twice in Tanakh, one here and one by where Moshe Rabbeinu was born. This is Amram marrying Yocheved again, and Moshe Rabbeinu came out of that marriage. Here it says also, in both cases, it doesn't mention the name of the person. 
He says the reason is because the Pasuk is about, uh, is teaching us about how certain events that we don't understand why they happen, but Hashem has a plan. And they and we and later on we see how these events that seem to us very strange or very unusual are actually were critical in allowing the unfolding of a massive and major uh, development in history, and that changed the destiny of history. And he says, for example, Moshe Rabbeinu had to be born because Moshe had to be born. Amram had to marry Yehovah again. We know that he divorced her after Paweh made this decree against the children. And then his daughter came and he, he remarried her. In other words, that this was planned by Hashem that Amram would decide to change his mind and marry Yehovah again. Why? Because Moshe had to come out of this so that Moshe can come out and redeem the Jewish people and give the Torah. And all of history will be changed forever because of this event of Ayelach Ish. In other words, it's not a story about this man and what he did and who he is. It's about how this man became a, a, a catalyst for a major development in history that needed to happen. And Hashem navigated things in such a way. The same thing is here too. Here is Elamelech going out of Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael. We see it as a crime, as a as a negative thing, committing a sin. He says, but you have to know, if Elamelech was a tzaddik, why would Hashem protect him against such a terrible mistake? We know that Hashem protects tzaddikim, um, that they wouldn't make mistakes like this. At any rate, he says, it seems that if he was really a great tzaddik, it seems unbefitting to him, someone of his stature, to do such a thing, to run away from Eretz Yisrael. But the answer is, just like with the Shvatim, he says. We find by the Shvatim a similar thing. Hashem sometimes allows even a great person to do something that's completely out of character. Just like the Gemara says with David the Melech. The story with Bathsheba was completely out of character. He was, in a way, he was part of a plan to teach the world the power of tshuva. The Gemara says in Avedi Zorah. And the same thing he says the Shvatim. How could the Shvatim hate the brother Yosef? The Shifte Kod, they were holy people. Right? And they took his ksenis pasim, but Chazal say pasim is pas yam. The reason why Hashem allowed the Shvatim to deteriorate on a level which is out of their character, they were shiftei ko, is only because, so they can be kriyas yamsov. How so? Because because they hated Yosef and they sold him as a slave, he ended up being in jail in Mitzrayim, meeting the sorry paroi, and then he was promoted to Mishnah Lamelech. And then he had this, first of all, he had this test. Sorry, he had the test with with the wife of Petifar, and he withstood the test. It was a very difficult test. And Chazal tell us that when they brought the Oren of Yosef to the Yamsuf, Vayara Om Vayonis, it says in Tehillim, the Yamsuf saw the Oren of Yosef, Vayonis, and it fled, and that's when it split. Says Chazal, what did it, Vayara Hayom What is Hayom What did the Yom see? He saw Reinishal Yosef. What was what was what about Yosef? Vayonos Achutza. When the wife of Petifer approached him, he ran outside because he's Vayonos Achutza. Is a Hayom So here we see that in order for Kis Yamsuf to happen, Hashem allowed the Shvatim to deteriorate to a level of hatred that was not befitting to them. 
So there can be a sale of Yosef. So Yosef would be in Mitzrayim and face the test with the Asia's Petifar. So there would be later the case Yamsuk. So it is, and this was hinted in the word Pasim already all the way in the beginning of the story of Yosef when he was still in the house of Yaakov. Pasim, pas Yam, to make a pass, to make a, a split in the middle of the Yam. It says the same thing here. If Elamelech was such a tzaddik, how come he, he left? He did something so terrible. The answer is that Elamelech was a, deteriorated. He deteriorated in a way that was not befitting to him. But there is also a divine plan here. Because there has to be, Ruth had to come into the Jewish people. So they had to go out to Moyav so that the son would marry Ruth. And from Ruth, she'll marry Boyaz. And then Moyav will... Then the father, the, the, the ancestor of, of the, the Melech and Mashiach, and the whole history of the world would fall into place. And this is the Vayelech the, Ish. First, the Torah says, a man went. Who is this man? We don't know. It's, it's, it's not relevant. Because it's not about the man and it's not about the woman. It's about a, a, a divine plan that he becomes part, a link. He becomes a critical link in the unfolding of a divine plan. Fascinating, fascinating pshat. One other pshat, it says, Vayavoyu bisdei mayav. They came to the fields of mayav. That's what it says in Pasuk Beis at the end. Uh, the Al-Shara Kodesh has an interesting comment on this. Why is the Torah identifying the exact place where they went? What's mayav? He says it emphasizes the, the, the seriousness of the transgression of Elimelech. Had he left Eretz to another country, it wouldn't be as bad. Because who are the, the Moabites? Well, <clears throat> the Moabites, as we know, we're not allowed to marry them. We're not allowed to marry them. Why? Because you have not uh, met, um, um, you were not met in the Midbar. When the Jews traveled through the Midbar, the, the Moabites didn't come out to greet you with bread and water. Says the Al Kaddish, the Jews really didn't need bread and water. They weren't hungry. They had man, and they had the Be'era Shal Miriam. But it was a matter of of ethics, you know, being nice. Lloyd, the grandfather of the Moabites, was taken care of by Avraham, the grandfather of the Jews. It would have made sense. It would have been nice. It would have been uh, appropriate for the Moabites to show appreciation to the children of Avraham, who was kind to their grandfather Lloyd. They didn't reciprocate the kindness. So here is a nation that's so depraved, that doesn't even have the sense to show appreciation. And now when there is a famine in Eretz Yisrael, where are you running to? To Moyov, to those same people that are so dismissive and so denigrating of us. Now we come to them and escape and find refuge in their midst what are they thinking? The Chilol Hashem is so great. They look at us, ah, you know, these Jews, they're hungry, they're, 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 they're um, dejected, and they're coming to us for help. To ask and to find refuge in such a nation makes a much greater Chilol Hashem than running to another nation. That's the emphasis of Bizdei Mayav. <clears throat> Elamelech died, Ishnomi, the husband of Nomi, but the Shor Hiushnevanel. She and her two sons remained. Now, why did he die? Chazal say he died because 
One reason is because he left Eretz Yisrael. A Jew is not supposed to leave Eretz Yisrael. Well, the Medrash asks, why not? It says, "Bishas Harov Pazir." It says that when it's when there is a famine in the land, you should leave. Avraham Avinu left Eretz Canaan to go to Mitzrayim because there was a famine in Eretz Canaan. So what's wrong with leaving? No, Eretz Yisrael, you can't leave. According to Allah, it says, according to the Rambam brings it in Hiraz Balachim, unless that the famine is so serious that the the produce has risen in value because of the scarcity to double the price. If it's double the price, then it's dire enough that you're allowed to leave the country. Otherwise, now leave Eretz Yisrael. The question is how severe was the famine at the time. Now it seems from Medrashim that it was severe enough, and the Rambam himself takes note of this. And in Hilchus Malachim he says that Elimelech was punished not because he broke halacha. According to halacha, he was allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael under the conditions, but he should have behaved midas chasidus. A man of his stature should not have followed just the letter of the law, he should have stuck it out in Eretz Yisrael, even though, according to the letter of the law, he was permitted to leave. Another Medrash says that it's not just that he left Eretz Yisrael, it's also that um, he escaped the um, the possibility of having to, to feed the hungry, and he didn't want to be burdened with that task. So where did he run? He ran to Mayav, which was a place which was also not generous. As we know, they weren't generous with the Jews in the Midbar to offer them bread and water. So it's almost like running to your own kind. <clears throat> One other medrash suggests that Elimelech should have stayed in Eretz Yisrael because he was a very influential man, very powerful man. And as I said, he was a very pious man and a very learned man. He was very highly respected and highly regarded. And as I said before, there was also a tremendous amount of um, not only a physical famine, there was also a spiritual famine. There was a tremendous need for people of stature, of the stature of Elimelech, to influence the masses to do tshuva and to raise a little bit of morale, the spiritual morale of the nation. And he evaded that responsibility, and that what that made his crime, his offense even more serious. It's interesting that the targum, um, the targum says that there are ten famines in history, in list them all in beginning of Megillah's Rus mentions all the ten famines. One famine was in the time of Adam Rishon. The second time, the second famine, I don't know which one that is, but apparently there must have been a famine in the time of Adam Rishon. One was a famine in the time of Lamech, then Avram, that we know from the Chumash. Yitzchak, we also know from the Chumash. The fifth one was Yaakov. And then we have the famine, the sixth famine was in the time of Boaz. The famine of this story is the sixth one in history. And uh, then there was a famine. The seventh one was in the days of David Melech, which we know from Sefer Shmuel Beis. There was a famine in the time of Eliyahu Navi, also from, from um, Sefer Melachim. And the ninth famine was in the time of Elisha in Shemrein. And the tenth one will be when Mashiach comes. And that famine will be a different type of famine. It won't be 
a famine about food, it will be Lishmoya Divrei Hashem. People will want to drink the word of Hashem. And as he said, Pisgam Nevuah Min Kodesh Hashem, Mikodam Hashem. People will want the Nevuah to shine upon them. And that will be the tenth famine. There's an interesting commentary, which I don't remember right now. Maybe I'll look it up. What is the relationship between these ten famine? And the tent is something of a completely different nature. There seems to be some kind of continuum, as if all these different famines are related all the way to the tenth, which uh, um, translated not in a physical famine, but a very positive famine, a famine where people were hungry for ruchnius, for spirituality and kedusha, which they will be when Mashiach comes. Then it says, Oh, it, first it says, ishnomi. Chazal say from here we learn that when a man dies, Ishnomi. What does it say, the husband of Nomi? Elamelech died, the husband of Nomi. No, he's the husband of Nomi. It's a teacher that when a man dies, the one who feels the death most is the wife, the spouse. And the same thing, vice versa. If when a woman dies, the person that is the most affected by the absence of that woman is the husband. But she remained, she and her two sons, it's like as if they were left, like leftovers. They were, they were bereft of a very important element and force in their lives. That means that Melech was a very important uh, influence in their lives. And we see this from the next passage, because as soon as he passed away, the two sons married Moabite woman, Shem Achas Orpo, one of them was Orpo, Veshem Hashem is Rus, second name, second woman's name was Rus, as we know they were sisters and daughters of Egloin, the king of Moab. Vayeshu Shem Shanam, and they settled in Moab for ten years. Ten years they were married, but they didn't have any children. So the Al Kadesh takes note. It's like it says, Bashleim Melech, Tashleim Melech Loichoto, as long as Shibi ben Gera was alive. Shibi ben Gera was the Rebbe of Shlema, and as long as his Rebbe was alive, it says Shlema did not marry the daughter of Paroi. When did he marry the daughter of Paroi? Only after his Rebbe died. And he says, this is the way it is in life. When your teachers and your parents or grandparents, those who have influence on you, are alive, a person is a little embarrassed to deviate from the path that you were taught. But as soon as they die, it's a new beginning, a new life, and people allow themselves to deteriorate. And this is what happened to these two sons. They wouldn't do this. They wouldn't dare to do this when their father was alive because Elimelech was a great man. He would never tolerate such a thing. Both died. means to add something. That also their animals, all their wealth went. All the animals and the camels and the... And, and the, and the the cattle and the flock, everything they brought with them from Eretz the whole mass of wealth disappeared. Everything died, and also the two sons, Machlon and Kilian, both died. But now she was left from both, bereft of her two sons, and from her husband. Chazal tell us, does Ruth is a name, as I already mentioned, comes from a Hebrew word, Rivohu, that her son, her grandson, David the Melech, satisfied Hashem with all his praises in Tehillim. And Orpah comes from the word Oiref, the neck, the back. 
And um, they were very different. They were sisters, but very different in personalities. We'll see later in the story as it unfolds. Opo was of a very negative nature. Chazal see pretty nasty things about her personality and her lifestyle and her background, her history. Very depraved. And Ruth was a very pure soul that was stuck in a Moabite nation, but really her neshama had a spark of a very lofty source and had to come out and convert to Judaism so that she can be the mother of David HaMelech.